Hello, welcome to episode 11 of the Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp. And we're talking to the winners of the NHS Communicate Awards for the Behaviour Change Marketing and Public Health Campaign category. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Hey, a quick question for you before the episode starts. Do you want to uplevel your communications with the must-have behavioral science skills 2021? If that's a yes, then come and join the hundreds of professionals that have already been through bootcamp. The next date is October the 19th, 2021. And we have got an awesome, incredible, amazing bonus for you. So I'm going to leave you hanging and check it out at www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Hello. So for those of you who have missed it, it was the NHS Communicate Awards last week and it was amazing. Pulled together by NHS providers, Centre for Health Communication Research and Excellence and the NHS Confederation. And excitingly, Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp was the official sponsor for the Behaviour Change Marketing and Public Health Campaign category. And I was delighted to be part of the judging panel and to present the awards. And to be honest, I was blown away by the standards. It was so exciting. It was such a privilege to read through everyone's work. You could see how much love and passion had gone in to tackling a huge range of subjects from COVID vaccinations, to helping people reduce their drinking, uh, just so many. And you'll see if you have a look at their website, there were quite a few highly commended, which just goes to show how high the standards were. So today we are super excited to welcome the winner from Cheshire and Merseyside Health and Care Partnership, Edna. Edna's representing the team there. So without further ado, let's just hand over and hear from you. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm delighted to be here, Ruth. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Edna Boapong. I'm the Director of Communications and Engagement for the Shropshire Telford and Reakin Integrated Care System, or ICS. And I was formerly the Director of Communications and Engagement for the Cheshire and Merseyside Health and Care Partnership. Gosh, we like to give ourselves long titles and long organisational names in the (laughs) NHS, don't we? Yeah, it all gets a bit of a tongue twister, but huge congratulations for winning the award. It was an amazing awards night and you were really brave as well. You you went up, didn't you? And you sat and did you actually heckle to Marcus? Well, I'm going to be honest, they, they sort of said, because there was about 300 odd people that were on the line and they said, can I come, come up? Can a few people come up and be on stage? And I was like, oh, this is novel. This is interesting. Let's all go up. So I went up and there was only about four of us that actually were brave enough to go up. And I was like, oh, uh, I thought there were more. But you know what? It was good to give him some support because I think he was was crying out for people to come and to laugh at his jokes live. Yeah. And of course, this was uh, the beginning when you didn't know that you had won, not one, but two awards. So yeah, super brave. It was definitely your night. And today we're going to focus in on the Behaviour Change Marketing campaign. And we had a quick chat before we came on and we thought we'd do this a bit like the after show party. Actually, I'm going to recreate the night. So drum roll, please. 
This is what the judges had to say about Edna's Behaviour Change Marketing Campaign. This impressive communications behaviour change programme was designed to address vaccine hesitancy in ethnic minority communities. It was based on in-depth research that produced valuable insight into people's reasons for vaccine hesitancy. These high-quality segmented insights were used to inform the basis of an effective and targeted behaviour change campaign to increase uptake of the vaccine among people from ethnic minority backgrounds in the Cheshire and Merseyside area. Insights led to NHS branded materials, the use of community spokespeople, targeted channel use and messaging addressing people's concerns directly. Tactics included door drops, a campaign branded vaccine bus, localised materials, adverts in community publications and paid for and organic social media. The post-campaign research demonstrated that the campaign had a positive effect on sentiment with pre and post campaign surveys showing an increase in the likelihood of individuals from ethnic minority backgrounds to get vaccinated from 68% to 79%. And actually, I wrote it down from the submission and in February, it's like 0.66%. And then by the time you finished in May, it was 38.35%, which is incredible. So huge congratulations. Edna, how did you do it? Well, you know what? It was a great program, but there was a lot of time and effort and to be honest, resource that went into this. So if I can take you back to the beginning of the pandemic, where it became very clear that disproportionately people from Black, Asian, minority ethnic groups were being impacted by COVID and were dying from COVID. So many of the Healthcare workers that we saw that were lost their lives were ethnic minorities, including Mary Ajipong, who was the pregnant nurse, who was young. She was yeah. 28. She died from COVID. She went to my mum's church. So, oh. so, and she, she died mainly because she was the main breadwinner and couldn't afford to not carry on working and protect herself because, and so she put herself at risk, essentially. So this was all happening. And in the backdrop of this, I've worked in public health for so many years and I have worked in behavior change and social marketing. And one of the things that I've always preached about is you need to do that insight. You need to understand who your audiences are in order to be able to develop services that are fit for purpose and to make sure that we are delivering the right things in the right places for the right people. So whilst this was all happening, I wrote a proposal and took it to my chief exec and said, this is exposing, this inequality gap is going to get even wider unless we get a better understanding of how COVID is going to be impacting some of these communities. So we need to do this work. And in principle, she said, yeah, it sounds great. We just don't have all the funding to be able to deliver that. She said, I can probably find half of it, but you go out and find the other half and then I think we can do it. So it took me a couple of months, but I went out with this proposal and spoke to a number of colleagues and drew on personal relationships, went out of my begging bowl, really. And actually, I was delighted of how many people, when I spoke to them, said, this seems fantastic. No one else is doing this. And absolutely, we need to understand, we need to do this piece of work. And the backdrop of that was that was before the COVID vaccine was even was thought about. Obviously, it was being worked out on in the background. Oh. And, and I said, and I know from my community that we're going to have some issues with actually convincing people from ethnic minorities to take up this vaccine. But that's my, that's what I think. But actually part of this work, we need to get that better understanding. So essentially that's where it started. It started from me seeing this injustice, if, if for want of a better word and the yeah. real 
passion and finding the need to want to do something that could make a difference. So that's where it started. That's amazing, Edna. So it was the real passion from you. You drove it through. You had half the money and you went out with a begging bowl. That shows such amazing initiative and gosh, the commitment as well. So take us to the point you had the money. What did you do next? So I got the money and thank you very much to colleagues from the National NHS EI team, Public Health England and some of the directors of public health for, for all kind of chipping in to get the money. So I so I then had to, because it was a relatively large sum of money, had to go out to procurement and I wanted to make sure that we got this right. And I wanted to make sure that we got the right agency to deliver this work. Now, there was three parts to this program. The first part was we didn't have a clear picture of our ethnic minority communities, where they were in Cheshire and Merseyside. We had the census data, which we knew was incredibly out of date. Right. But the first thing was we needed to get a refreshed view on who are our communities, where are they, what are some of their characteristics, what's the level of deprivation in the different areas. So we actually developed, we worked with a, a company who actually mined a load of data, used a number of different data sets to actually get a refreshed view of our ethnic minority communities down to postcode level or street level. So we could drill down using this interactive tool that we developed and know on this particular street, we estimate there's about 10 people from the Asian population that live on this street. So that's how detailed it was. Wow. And how did you, what sort of company did that? Did they develop the tool for you? Yeah, they de- developed a tool for us. So it was a company called IDM who are a data mining and company, right. to be honest. So they, they're the ones that kind of pulled in a number of different data sets. And this is what they do for a living. They just kind of look at data and manipulate data. So we use things like the school data and, you know, other data sets that were more so that we could build on the census data to actually get to to create this tool. Now, that tool came in good use for the second part of the program as well. So the second part was the quantitative research. So we needed to, as a first step, and if you remember, we were in in the midst of COVID here, so we were still in lockdown for part of this, or or, or at the very least in restrictions. But we needed to get this insight from, and we've set a target of 500 people from ethnic minorities. And I was actually told when I set that target, when I when I went to General University's research team, I said, listen, I want to talk to 500 people. I've got a short amount of time, so we need to get this done. And they were just like, no chance. You're not going to engage 500 people from ethnic minority. They're extremely difficult to engage. You need longer, etc." We actually ended up with almost 650. So I think it's 632 in the end completed responses. Wow. And we used that tool to target people. So what we did was using mainly digital marketing, but we used this tool to really hone in on certain areas to target people. We had a number of different ads where we were using a number of people from different ethnic minorities to say, you know, help the NHS save lives, essentially. So we got a great response to that quantitative research. And what the quantitative research told us was some amazing, amazing insight into the people's propensity to want to take the vaccine, as an example. But there was a huge range of other stuff that we were talking to people about as well. And we got that data in December, just when we got the vaccine and it was about to roll out. So if you can appreciate, we were like, we were so ahead of the curve because we'd done that work. In De- and by December, we had our first cut of insight into which communities were more likely to take the vaccine and why not or why why were they why not what we were able to do was segment that and people were saying people from ethnic minorities or BAME communities as they were saying did not want to take the vaccine and we were like "Mm, hang on a second no 
out of those 19 different ethnic minority groups, because they're not a homogenous group, yeah. there were some that were very willing to take the vaccine, but there was about eight ethnic minority groups that were the most hesitant. So that's where we targeted our effort. Brilliant. And how did you define the groups? Was that a cultural definition or was it a segmentation, a mixture of characteristics based on age and job, etc.? So in terms of the ethnicity group, so initially for the quantitative research, we used the census data to kind of define those ethnic groups. And it was mainly, it didn't differ that much by age in terms of what it, well, in fact, the older you were, you were more likely to want to take the vaccine. So we knew that the, the older population were, it, it wasn't a big deal, even no matter what ethnic group they came from, they were much more likely if you were older to take the vaccine, probably because they were feeling more at risk. Wow. You see, that's incredible insight. Yeah, it absolutely significantly changed. Once you got down, I think we saw a massive dip after the age of 65 in terms of people's propensity to want to take the vaccine. And then we saw certain groups that had, there were different things that were coming through that had been, that were being talked about, about why people didn't want to take the vaccine. So things like people feeling nervous about leaving to go to a vaccination center. They were worried they might catch the disease. So that was one of the barriers from stopping them from wanting to, to take the vaccine. And there were some other things like trusting the government. People didn't trust the government. That's the reason why they didn't want to take the vaccine. So it was so interesting looking at the different ethnicity groups and the different barriers that were potentially stopping them from taking the vaccine. But that wasn't it. So the third part of that was was that we. I always say that the quantitative take data almost tells you the what but you need the qualitative data to tell you the why. So we then did another phase of research a month or so later where we did focus groups, conversations with community leaders, that type of thing, where we actually tried to pick a little bit some of the things that we discovered from the quantitative data and understand, get under the skin a lot more. And by doing that, that is when we were able to segment our ethnic minorities even more so in terms of the reasons why they didn't want to take the vaccines and etc. Wow. So you had three stage approach there. You had the data mining where you developed an interactive tool to really micro target the adverts for the quant survey, which you completely blew out of the water. Sounds amazing. And then you were able to, like you say, get under the skin more in the focus groups And did you find that the messaging really changed or that it just came alive? The content, did you find it gave you the answers of what you needed to say to people to help overcome these barriers? Yeah, absolutely. So again, because what we we found out from the quantitative data was different concerns. There were some things that was common to all groups, but some groups, there were different concerns or barriers that were stopping them from wanting to take the vaccine. So it was able, we were able to target those concerns, those messages at the right people. But we also found, which was a really important point about, we asked the question about which media sources or which communication channels do they trust and where do they get their information from, et cetera, et cetera. And that also helped us to actually develop the campaign because it enabled us to, first of all, think about the messaging and secondly, then think about well, what mechanisms and what channels should we use to target these particular groups with these messages? So all of that That, came together. That is brilliant, Edna. And I love that. So it's not just the trust in the message itself, it's the trust in the channel as well. 
and th- you were able to really get under the skin and identify them. And you had such a multifaceted approach and loads of micro-targeting going on, which is extremely hard to deliver when you've got everything else in the NHS happening. At the same time, you've got COVID, but you've also got the day-to-day running of the NHS. And there's multiple concerns, you know, about ensuring everyone knew the NHS was open. There were so many messaging and cancer messaging and so much going out. To do that micro-targeting is almost like you just duck under the wave of it all. It's brilliant. And reach those people directly. Yeah. And it was tricky because as you say, Ruth, the airwaves were absolutely full because yeah. as you say, there was, there was lots of different messages going out. So you still had the ongoing message about COVID and testing and, you know, the general messages about get vaccinated. And then you had messages about, you know, help us help you. We are still open, et cetera, et cetera. So it was completely crowded. So taking a really targeted approach enabled us to kind of cut through some of the rest of the noise to actually get to the people that we needed to reach. And the other thing that we did, which again, we we used our insight to then create place plans is what I think we called them. We had nine in nine local authorities that make up Cheshire and Merseyside. And those local authorities that had the biggest ethnic minority communities where we had the biggest samples from, we created plans for each of them and gave, which gave them that insight about what channels that they are, the different ethnicity groups are more more likely to use and trust. What are some of the key concerns with regards to the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. So not only did we do things on the Cheshire and Mersey footprint, we created some tools to build capacity and knowledge locally. And locally, lots of them did their own campaigns as well, using the insight that we had um, developed. That's just brilliant. Oh my gosh. That's absolutely genius. You didn't even have that in the submission. You would have won anyway, but it's absolutely wonderful. So Edna, looking forward, we've got winter coming. It's not quite Games of Thrones styles, but it will feel like that for some, I'm sure, at points. So looking forward, could you give us one tip to move forward for people for this winter if they're doing behavior change marketing? And then one don't bother, don't do tip. How how can we survive the winter in communications? look at your data and follow your data. So all areas at the moment will be concerned about their urgent and emergency care services. We are we are already seeing huge record numbers. And I'm being told by my director of planning to let's get some comms out. We need to get some comms out. We need to do some any deflection. And I keep saying, I need the data so I can see who is using these services, why are they using these services, where do they live, et cetera, et cetera. Because until you understand the reasons why these people are rocking up to A&E unnecessarily, as we would say, we need to understand what's driving that behavior. And some of it could be, some of it could be quite simple. And then we can do something more targeted. That's my big thing, really. Have a look at the data. What is the data telling you? And in terms of what you shouldn't do, I think the obvious one is don't do what we always do and just assume, make assumptions or develop these campaigns behind closed doors that are based on what we think the leaders or the managers think we should be saying to people. We need to 
be insight-led and we need to test things and develop these campaigns with the people that we're trying to communicate with. That's brilliant advice. Thank you so much, Edna. So final question, Edna, what book would you recommend? That's a good question because over lockdown, me and some of my friends started a book club, online book club, which we've kept going. And they're my friends from London who actually I see more now because I meet them every Sunday for book club than I had seen before the pandemic. So one of the books that we read that I absolutely love is by Lisa Jewell and it's called Then She Was Gone. It's kind of sad in part, but it is beautifully written and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant. We'll stick a link in the show notes. Thank you, Edna. And I love the fact you've got a book club. We're talking about book clubs at the moment. Oh, I just love them. (laughs) And final, final question, Edna, let's share some love. What makes you your best self? What makes me my best self? Do you know what? It is dancing with my friends, I think. So a few weeks ago, it was uh, one of my friend's birthdays and she booked these festival tickets and I was a bit like, oh, don't know if I've still got that in my locker. But (laughs) we went to this, it was a really tiny festival and it was just so lovely being out with friends, being listening to live music, being able to get our groove on. It was really delightful. So that's what made me my best self. It's going to be a while before I do that again because it took it out of me. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, it sounds amazing. Sounds brilliant, Edna. Thank you so much. Congratulations again. And thank you so much for coming on to our sort of mini after party. I absolutely loved it, Ruth. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Edna. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out the Autumn Bootcamp on our website, www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. Check out the new bonus and please do book your place because spaces are limited. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually.